Welcome to In the Studio with Michael Card. We're excited to feature this classic edition of the program from sessions at the Mole End Studio in Franklin, Tennessee. What you'll hear now was recorded several years ago. Though some of the details about guests and ministries may have changed, the powerful lessons from the music and conversations are timeless. Our web and email address hasn't changed, but now you can connect via Facebook or Twitter when you search for Michael Card. We hope to hear your reactions to this classic edition of In the Studio. in the studio with Michael Card. I'm Wayne Shepard. We are in Franklin, Tennessee at a little studio that's uh, on the property where you live, Michael. Uh-huh. We like to give this picture to listeners where we are and what we're doing. It's sort of like the clubhouse. You have to <laughs> yeah. have the password to get in. And, <laughs> and uh, this is a clubhouse with a lot of people coming and going. That's right. And today the people who are coming, Andrew Peterson yes. and friends will be here in the second half of the program. We'll hear some of his music. And yeah. Now you're a songwriter. Andrew's a songwriter. Yes. I mean, you have a you really admire him, don't you? Oh, I do. And I, I, I had admired him as a musician before I ever got to know him. But then we, we, we toured together some. And, and I've, I learned this from Steve Green, that, that it is possible to validate what you sing by the way you live. In fact, that's mm. obviously the best thing you can do. Yeah. And Andrew is one of the best examples of that. He really lives what he sings. Mm. He's a great guy. Well, it's also interesting, and, and I don't mean to embarrass you, but it's interesting to see you mentor some some people who are younger. Yeah. Well, I don't know if it's mentoring or not. We hang out together. <laughs> I hope it's redemptively hanging out together. <laughs> well, I think it's mentoring. It's <laughs> what it is. So, all right, Andrew in the second half of the program today. In just a few minutes, we'll be talking with Arloa Sutter yeah. again. Arloa of Breakthrough Urban Ministries in Chicago has tremendous heart for the homeless there. Yeah. yeah, and how the gospel gets lived out. Yeah, she's a great example of that. But before any of that, we're going to open to John chapter 5, mm-hmm. continue our series in the book of John based on your book, The Parable of Joy. So we'll get into the story of the lame man and Jesus yeah. healing him here in John 5 just in a few minutes. But first, we're going to ask you to sing. Kirk Whalem is here to play saxophone yeah. on this song. Great, great saxophone player. What will it take to keep you from Jesus? Michael Card at the piano. The simple excuse of a heart that is hard A reason that's nothing at all And there was a man who was owned by his money He was as rich as could be But deep in his heart was a voice that was crying Telling him he wasn't free When he questioned the master concerning his problem, the answer took his breath away. For his money had come to me more than his soul, forever would stand in his way. What will it take to keep you from Jesus, keep you from heeding his call? The simple excuse of a heart that is hard, a reason that's nothing at all. Before you stop with your reasons, take your defenses away. It's only a lie that keeps you from following. Don't let it stand in your way. So many excuses and so many lies are blocking the light and the way. But the final decision to follow the Lord will shatter and blow them away. about Jesus, he knew that he longed to be whole. So with some of his friends he went seeking and found him, so many stood in their way. So they tore through the roof and they lowered him down, for nothing could keep him away. And what 
take to keep you from Jesus, keep you from heeding His call? The simple excuse of a heart that is hard, a reason that's nothing at And thank you both wow. for that song here in the studio. My, my, one of my fondest memories of, of Kirk is I saw him play on Saturday Night Live. He was playing for Whitney Houston. Okay, he's one of the best saxophone players in the world. Yeah, good and brother. A, and his saxophone fell apart in the middle of the song <laughs> on live TV. And he just reached down and picked it up, put it back together, and kept playing. He's so cool. He can even make that look cool. Oh, Kurt, I tell you. All right, all right. Well, let's get into John chapter 5 here, and then we'll pick up the yeah. line and talk to our Lois Sutter in Chicago. But uh, this lame man is brought to Jesus. Yeah, this is another fascinating person. Look at all the people we've met along the way, you know, Mm -hmm. Nicodemus and Peter and the woman at the well and and people that we wouldn't have met often in any of the other Gospels. I mean, uh, this story is not in any of the other Gospels. The woman at the well, exactly, 92% unique. And I think this man is is uh, meant to be a contrast. We 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 meet two people in in this section of of, of John's gospel. Uh, one of them is this first man, the lame man. I call him the man of excuses, and I don't like this guy. Every time he opens his mouth, it's an excuse. Okay. How do you really feel, Michael? Well, I'm, I'm, <laughs> people have actually gotten upset when I've taught this because they say, "Man, you, you know, you're not you're not acting like a Christian toward this man at all." I go, "No, I don't like this guy," but I think he's meant to be contrasted with the the man that we meet in chapter nine, okay. who's born blind. Because what we have is two uh, people that are healed that that have completely different responses to Jesus, and just. Knowing the way John's mind tends to work, I think he was contrasting these two people. He's giving us two two extremes, and uh, th- this man is is at a, a place in Jerusalem. It's called the as as best I understand it now. It's called the Pool of Saint Anne, and the word that's used in Greek to describe this pool it's a large pool. It's a swimming pool. It's that big, and here's a good word for you. Uh, uh, Wayne, it's a hapax legomena. Yeah. You know okay. that word? Hapax legomena. <laughs> Never heard that It's one. a word that, that means simply a word that appears no place else in the scripture. Oh. Okay. So this word for this large swimming pool, that particular word is only found here in, in, in all the gospel of John and in, in all of the New Testament, but it's here in the gospel of John. And there is this myth uh, that if the water is troubled, um, you'll, if you get into it, you'll you'll be healed. And here's this man uh, waiting beside uh, the pool, yeah. uh, supposedly to get healed. Verse 5 says, a man there who had been sick 38 years, yeah. Jesus saw him lying there and knew he had been this way for a long time. He said to him, do you want to become well? Now, is that not the most insensitive, <laughs> politically incorrect? I mean, Jesus comes up to a lame guy and he says, do you want to get well? Okay. We know that whatever Jesus says or does is the perfect thing, mm-hmm. right? Jesus is perfect. The, the story is the only perfect story of a perfect life we have is Jesus in the gospel. So we'll find out that this is the perfect thing to have said. You know why? Because he doesn't want to get well. Oh, See, his his disability has really become his identity. So Jesus is calling him out. Is oh, what he's absolutely. Doing. Yeah. Absolutely. Do you want to get well? And what happens? The first thing out of his mouth is an excuse. Okay. <laughs> I don't have anyone to cast me into yeah. the pool when the water is stirred. Yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> right. He's been there 38 years and he couldn't get in front of the line for 38 years. Right. <laughs> Boy, you're really hard on this oh, guy. Oh, I'm very hard on this guy. And so how does Jesus respond? Does Jesus talk to him? Does Jesus say, well, that's really bad. I'm sorry you've had. Let me enter into to your, you know, yeah. your situation. So get up and do something. Get up, he says. <laughs> Just get up. And apparently, and this is a hint, I think, of the authority of Jesus, whether you know who he is or not, because this man doesn't know who Jesus is, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. Jesus heals people, and they don't even know who he is. I've heard people say, well, you know, Jesus couldn't heal us, heal somebody unless they had faith in them. That's absolutely false. He, feel, he heals people who don't even know who he is, mm. right? So he tells the guy, get up. And apparently when Jesus tells you to get up, yeah. 
There's nothing else you can do. <laughs> There's no but, choice. <laughs> but get up. Right. So he gets up, and, and off he goes uh, with his mat. And it's the Sabbath, and the law is, you know, you're not supposed to uh, carry your mat on the Sabbath. So when well, he— wait, wait a minute. He didn't want to do it. No. But he did it, because, and, he, and he gets healed. Because of the authority of Jesus. Right, right. Whether, right. You know, and have you not heard people say, well, Jesus can't heal people unless he has the faith? Because yeah, Jesus yeah, will, yeah. Sure. well, and, and that's an understandable uh, sort of misunderstanding because Jesus will say, well, it was your faith that made you well. He'll say that from time to time to people. But the, okay. the truth is, if Jesus is God incarnate, he can do it any way right. he wants to. I didn't mean to slow you down. There. No, no, I just no. Had to no, it's dwell a dwell on that for a second. A, it's a good point. But he's he's walking away from the pool, and uh, he has he is breaking the rabbinic law. He's carrying something uh, on the Sabbath, right? And so he gets in trouble. Uh, when they catch him, what does he do? What comes about out of his mouth in verse eleven? It's another excuse. Mm-hmm. The man who made me well told me to do it. Are you starting to get the the character of this little weasel? <laughs> Never read this this way before. Oh, he's a little weasel of a guy, right? The the man who you know blah blah blah. And notice, he doesn't know Jesus' name. Okay, That's they say, right. who is this fellow? In verse thirteen, the one. The man had no idea who he was, for Jesus had slipped away in the crowd. I mean, he, he's been lame thirty eight years. He gets healed, and he doesn't even know. I mean, does does this not? sort of give us insight into the character of this little guy? Well, this is an example of one of those miracles where the miracle isn't the miracle. Okay. There's, We've talked about that right. before. There's a miracle behind the miracle. Now, to be healed of being lame 38 years, that's a pretty yeah, cool that, miracle. That, that, that works for me. Right. But there's often in the Gospel of John, there's a miracle behind the miracle, and the miracle behind the miracle is in verse 14. Later, Jesus found him. That's the miracle. See, Giving him healing is not enough. Jesus is trying to give himself. And the same thing will happen in chapter 9 with the blind man. The blind man gets healed in Jesus' absence. And it's not enough that he's been healed from being born blind. Jesus wants to give himself. Jesus hasn't come to give us gifts. He's come to give us himself. And that's the ultimate healing. Absolutely. I mean, the other healing is temporary at best, right? Absolutely. Absolutely. And so Jesus comes and he introduces himself to the man. And what does the man do? He goes and tells the officials, oh, it was Jesus who did it. I mean, are you tracking with me? Yeah, he's kind of telling. Yeah, um, absolutely. I mean, what what a what a a creep this little guy is. <laughs> the man who heals him from being lame for thirty eight year, years comes and introduces himself to him, and knowing that this is going to cause trouble for Jesus, he goes and he tells on Jesus, and as a result, Jesus uh, his ministry is 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 hampered hmm. by this. So hmm. this is the man uh, of excuses. Jesus, but when Jesus finds him later, this is interesting to me, Wayne. He says, "You know, something worse is going to happen to you." Yeah. You know, stop sinning. You in your translation, you say, "Stop sinning, or else something worse might happen yeah. to you." Yeah. What's worse than being lame for thirty-eight years? Mm-hmm. Right. What's worse is to meet Jesus and not come to know Him. Yeah, because eternity is at stake here. Exactly, yeah. and that and th- and that's what happens apparently to this man. I hope. I hope maybe some at some later point in his life he 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 put two and two together and he mm-hmm. came to faith. But as far as we know, this man sort of wanders off into obscurity and uh, he never really comes to know the person who who in in essence gave him his life back. Mm-hmm. Now, when we go to chapter nine, it's going to be completely different. the The man who's who's been born blind has a completely different experience with Jesus. All right, it'll be uh, some weeks before we get to chapter nine here on the radio. But if you can't wait that long and want to read ahead, you can do it by getting a copy of Michael's book, The Parable of Joy. It's very, very good. Michael. Well, thank, thank you. you. I, well, I hope it's 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 a way into Scripture. I, I never want to say, oh, unless you read this book, you're, n- you're not going to ever understand John. Yeah. But it, it, it is a little... Uh, a little sort of pathway into understanding Scripture at the level of the imagination. Yeah, it's not just John that you're learning no, no. from here. You're I, learning how you how you can read the Bible in the the rest of the Word as well. Right, and this really, so much of this is from Bill, Bill Lane. Bill told me, I was 19 years old, he said, I'm going to teach you how I read Scripture. And I thought, that's an odd thing to say. Hmm. But I realized that over the next 27 years that he was teaching me, you know, 
when, when the Bible says this, you need to stop and ask a question. Or if something doesn't add up here, you need to go find out. Or if Jesus uses an Old Testament passage, go look that up and find out where that came from. Mm-hmm. So that's th- this is almost a course on how to read the Scripture, yeah. Well, we've had this uh, kind of negative uh, example oh. here today. Oh. <laughs> You're still shuddering. Just don't like this guy. <laughs> What's the lesson for us, though? Well, the lesson is there's something... Uh, infinitely greater than miracles or signs or healings. Mm. And again, we have this vein in American Christianity that focuses almost to the exclusion of everything else on signs and wonders and healings. Now, God can heal people anytime he wants to. Jesus Jesus heals this man, and and it's a a wonderful demonstration of Jesus' power and his compassion. Look at this this man he 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 gave healing to knowing what his heart was like mm-hmm. i think the point though is wayne is there there's something uh it, infinitely more significant than signs and healing and the check that comes in the mail just at the right time and that sort of business. And it is coming to know who Jesus is. There is something worse than being lame for 38 years. It's to meet Jesus Christ and not really come to know him. And especially for those in America who who sort of linked in such a shallow way, shallow, unbiblical way to Jesus, I, I want people to go to the scriptures and really find out who this guy is. Michael, part of what we do on the broadcast is uh, talk about living in community with each other. And part of living in community, we think, and we're learning this as well, is developing a care, a compassion for the homeless. Uh, We've talked about this before in the program. Yeah, and I I think, Wayne, a lot of Christians don't take seriously enough Jesus' radical identification with the poor. I mean, he he's born in poverty. He's wrapped in rags. That's what, what the so-called swaddling clothes of King James were. Yeah, it makes it sound They're, nice. <laughs> yeah, he was wrapped in rags because Mary apparently had nothing else to wrap him up in. The offerings that were offered up for him were offerings for the poor. And practically the first words out of his mouth when his ministry begins are, I've come to preach good news to the to the poor. Mm-hmm. And so how how can we as believers take seriously Jesus' heart for the poor? Well, do we have somebody on the line who can help us with that? <laughs> well, I knew that was coming, so that was all a setup for you, Arloa. <laughs> Arloa Sutter is back with us in the studio. She's with Breakthrough Urban Ministries. Arloa, nice to talk with you again. Thank you. Thanks for having me back. Uh, we learned last time how God led you from the farm of Iowa to the inner city of Chicago via Moody Bible Institute, and now you've invested your life in, in a ministry called Breakthrough Urban Ministries and started out in a church. And Just briefly describe all the things that you do at Breakthrough. We have services for homeless men and women, shelters and um, counselors that work with them, some health care, job um, training and, and uh, recovery counseling. And then we have a thriving youth program with kids in the neighborhood that actually are not homeless, but they live in this community. So we, we have sports and academic and Bible study programs for them. And how do you go about it? I mean, how do you exist? Where, do, where does the support come from? Most of our uh, get our support comes from individual gifts, actually. So we have um, lots of donors who are committed to what we're doing and see it as their Christian ministry to provide the funds that we need to exist. Do you depend on volunteers? Yeah, we have about a thousand volunteers. Whoa, so we have wow. groups that come in and serve meals uh, almost every day in both of our shelters. Um, so that's a wonderful way for a small group to get involved. In. Man, I bet you've had a front row seat to a lot of uh, light bulbs going off in people's minds when they get involved, huh? You know, it transforms our lives, really, to, to be engaged with people who are different or, or poor or in need. It really is transformative for all of us. Hmm. And that's happened to you, and now you see it oh happening goodness, happening yeah. in others. And <laughs> you, uh, I've I've read some of the things you've written about the 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 lessons that you learned. Just share a couple of those briefly here. Well, I, one of the major lessons that I've learned is just that we so often experience Christ when we draw near to people who are impoverished, because they're, you know, Jesus said that whatever we do to the least of these, we've we're doing it to Him, and so. What was really a surprise for me was how much richer my spiritual walk has been since I've been uh, involved with Breakthrough. Um, I've also learned a lot about the root causes for homelessness. I mean, it's easy to kind of just ask, why don't people just get jobs? Or, you know, why are they in this situation? When you really start to draw back into the reasons for 
their um, homelessness, there's a lot of complicated social issues involved that I think Christians need to speak into. And and the story is always different. I mean, there's a different uh, uh, complex uh, life story for for each person that you encounter, right? It's not we. Don't, there's no band aid that you can come up with. It's going right. to fix it all. I one think of, one of the things that that I've noticed is just the absence of a network of support that people. You know, they've burned up their network, or they yeah. didn't have much of a network to start with. They've been abandoned as children, and and now they're trying to live life without a lot of help. Mm-hmm. Yeah, no community. Mm-hmm. Right. Right. And that's the the beauty of the Christian message is that you can join this community of faith where we support and love one another. And it's an absolutely open community. It's not no we don't exclude anybody. Right, right. Yeah. You don't have to clean yourself up to yeah. join. Just mm. come on in and you know let God do his work in you. Arlo, does it ever weigh on you that the job's never done? There's always more to do. Um so yeah, that is that is a challenge is to just really take every day. I've learned to just do what I can. Um, and not to minimize the small acts of kindness. Uh, I think when you put those all together and there's multiple Christians doing multiple uh, acts of kindness that, that God has glorified, and you know, and he wanted uh, people to see our good works and glorify the Father. So mm-hmm. that, I think, happens. You know, Michael, sometimes it can sound pretty noble. You, you, know, you know what I mean, to do this kind of thing and kind of dip in and do, do the job and then leave again. But Arloa, you've got people who are right there, I mean, right in the thick of it, don't you? Oh, yeah. We have a street outreach ministry, which is really exciting. We have an RV that we park out in an area that a lot of the women are working the street, and homeless uh, people are out there as well, and we invite them into the RV, kind of like a roving coffee house, <laughs> and build relationships. It's an incredible ministry that I, you know, it's kind of like the the Marines of Christian service, if you go out on a Friday night you know, till 2 in the morning out on the street wow. doing street outreach. <laughs> Talk a little bit more about that, because, I mean, I don't know if anybody else is doing that. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I, I think it's a, it's a way to really make Christ present to people who are in the, you know, in dire need, so much so that, you know, there are some women who are selling their bodies. I don't think any young girl... Um, a nine-year-old girl doesn't say, I want to be a prostitute when I grow up. I mean, they have hopes and dreams for their lives, but somehow they've been stuck um, in this place where they're desperate. So uh, to be present out there with them and walk alongside them, I think, is you know, it's, uh, the way that they begin to experience um, the love of Christ. Yeah, I think that that's a much more incarnational uh, approach to ministry. I know in some of, the er- in, in some of our area, we have people who go out and in uh, vans and pick up uh, people who are homeless and bring them in mm-hmm. but to go and be to find to find them to find your way especially to use an RV the way you're doing it that's very creative that is whose idea was that was that your idea no it was Lisa De Palma who uh, was a um, Moody student that I met and started doing street outreach while she was at Moody uh-huh. and then it has just grown um, she's now in South Africa doing a similar ministry and, and Breakthrough adopted that ministry <laughs> It's something that I think a lot of us um, are fearful of, or it's a really kind of an uncomfortable ministry. Right. It, it, and yet we have um, a couple of staff women who are so good at it and have a calling to do, to do that type of ministry. So, you know, I say if I can raise money to pay their salaries so they can go out there and do that every, you know, every yeah. weekend, then that makes, you know, that's my role in You've told us that you use many volunteers at Breakthrough. Do they come from the urban setting, or do they come in from the suburbs, or do they even come from places like where you grew up in Iowa? Yeah, there's quite a mixture. We have some mission groups come in during the summer and do some projects for us. Um, Primarily, though, it's just Christians from both the city and the uh, surrounding suburbs that um, really want to make a a difference and, and want to get engaged with the ministry that we're doing. And I, I'm just imagining that you probably see a lot of people that kind of, you know, get excited and then come in and do something and they're gone again. What, what do you what do you say to volunteers when they first come in as far as, a, you know, getting them acquainted with what they're about to do? Well, Mother Teresa said, come and see. And so, you know, I think we don't know what to expect when we come into a ministry like Breakthrough, but just to come and, and sit and get to know people, mm-hmm. um, I think is key. And let be a learner. That's what we tell people. Yeah. Like, you know, come and listen and learn and find out what God has for you. And then um, instead of being driven by need, just be led by the Spirit. Mm-hmm. We have incredible stories of the Holy Spirit leading people to do certain things. 
um, an example is that one day uh, a guy came in and he needed a coat, and he was a big guy. We didn't have a coat that would that would fit him. So I came out of the uh, coat, the clothing room, and I was about to tell this man that we didn't have anything for him when a man from our church walked in with a big, beautiful down coat that fit him perfectly. And he said, this morning during my quiet time, I felt led to bring this. Can you use it? Wow. And I literally took it from that donor and gave it to the homeless man and had this sense of, oh, my goodness, God is um, loving on this guy, and he is going to use people who listen to the guidance of the Spirit and obey. Yeah, I think one of the, one of the miraculous parts of provision that uh, that Jesus what we see in the Gospels is not always abundance, but perfect provision. Oh, it, timing! You know, yeah. like when uh, the the feeding of the four thousand or five thousand, when there are twelve little baskets uh, left. Twelve lunch pail size baskets. That's just enough to feed the disciples. That's that's an that's a miracle. It's not abundance. I know. But what a great thing! Here's a guy who needs a coat, and here mm-hmm. comes the right size coat, and you hand it to him warm from yeah. the guy who was just wearing it. <laughs> we had it was a Saturday night at about wow. eleven o'clock, and our women were getting ready. Or they were laying in bed, and one of the staff women took out um, a bag of garbage, and the door handle fell off of the door. So they were just trying to figure out who was going to sit by that door and secure it from the alley when uh, the doorbell rang. And a man at 11 o'clock on a Saturday night was at the door, and the first words of it, out of his mouth were, is there anything you need fixed around here? Oh, man. <laughs> <laughs> he was a police officer that we knew that was uh, doing a beat in our neighborhood who was led by the Spirit at that moment to come and ask that question. Wow. And he you know, secured the door and uh, came the next day and fixed it. Well, our Lord, you've challenged us uh, in many ways here today. Thank you. And, Michael, for anybody who wants to know more information, michaelcard.com is a good starting place. We'll link information there. Yeah, if this sounds like the kind of world that you would like to to introduce yourself to and and move into, we want to encourage you to check out uh, our Lord's website and find out more about what's going on in the rescue movement. Thanks again, our Lord, for giving us a block of your time. And uh, you've really helped and encouraged, I think, the listeners to, to get involved. So thanks again. Thanks, Michael. Well, we're almost to the halfway point for this session in the studio with Michael Card. Before we pause for the break, I want to encourage you to get in touch with us. Your comments, Bible questions, and song requests are always welcome when you email us at in the studio at michaelcard.com. And could you help us get the word out about this program by posting a review? Your opinion matters, and we'd appreciate your feedback to get the word out about what you've found. You can extend the impact of the teaching you've heard from Michael. Check out his insights through his weekly blog posts, books, music, and Bible conferences. Explore all that is waiting for you at michaelcard.com. Coming up, more music and conversation in just a moment here in the studio with Michael Card. Coming up next week in the studio with Michael Card, Michael will open the Word and teach on the life of Jesus. And there'll be guest conversations and plenty of music woven throughout the hour that will inspire you to follow Christ in new and deeper ways. The instruments are tuned and the Bible is open, so make sure you join us for this unforgettable session. Look for the post and invite other like minds to hear this program on Apple, Spotify, or Google Play. All the details at michaelcard.com. We are back in the studio with Michael Card and special guest, Andrew Peterson. And the song is called Invisible God. Andrew? I give you praise, O great invisible God. For the moon in the space of a dark night, for the smile on a face in the sunlight. the sound of the storm on the window, for the morning adorned with a new snow, for the tears on the face of the old man, made clean by the grace of the good land. that you have made are clearly seen and plain 
this day so mighty and tender Oh Lord, let me remember I see you everywhere Invisible God In the seed that descends to the old earth And arises again with a new birth In the sinner who sinks in the river And emerges again delivered Visible God And oh, I long to see your face Invisible, invisible God All the works that you have made Are clearly seen And plain as day So mighty and tender Oh Lord, let me remember that Oh, your power eternal, your nature divine Oh, creation tells the tale that love is real And so alive I feel you, I hear you Great God unseen I see Invisible God in the long cold death that the winter brings In the sweet resurrection spring Invisible God I think I hear some Wendell Berry influence in there <laughs> the seed in the ground and the uh, I will take that as a compliment. Is, yeah, Thank you. oh yeah. yeah. There's definitely there's definitely yeah, I think that that has something to do with it. Yeah. That's a new song? That is a new song. That's yeah. going to be on my new record. How are, how are you maintaining the quality uh the lyric that you're cuz I know you're busy and I know you're on the road and I know that, Oh man, I don't know. I don't know. It's good to hear that you hear quality. Oh, I'm glad. Yeah. Well, <laughs> to it's, know that you think that. Yeah. Um, I don't know. I, th I think that hanging out with two really great songwriters most of the time helps a lot. Um, uh -huh. Ben Shive and Andy Gilhorn, who are here right now. Hey, guys. Hey. Hey. Ben. Hey, Andy. <laughs> <laughs> hey, y'all. It really does. I think that community helps that, that kind of thing. Yeah. You know, we were, we, uh, do you know Alan Levi? Do you know who that uh -uh. is? He's a singer-songwriter in Georgia. He's this kind of older gentleman who retired from the legal practice, and he's a great songwriter. And We, we played the Christmas tour a couple Weeks ago, we we passed through his area, and he happened to be there. So most of the people on the tour uh, were fans of his. So we mm. we coaxed him into playing a song with us, and uh, and he just lit up like being being in a community. I think oh, yeah. he lives kind of in on a farm, and has like you know I'm sure he has community in his church. But there's this artistic community of yeah. songwriters that whenever we're in places like that, when I see guys like that say, "Oh, I would love to have something like this," it makes me really appreciate what it what it does to your writing and your art to have people around you who are really rich and, yeah. and good at what they do. And, and people who are good at what they do, but they like you even when you, especially when you write Even when a, you stink? Yeah. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah. Yeah, thank you for that. It really is like... <laughs> I, that's what you need. Right? Well, I've, I've, uh, I think I, I married this really great lady. Mm -hmm. um, we just had our 13th anniversary. So for 13 uh -huh. years, I've had somebody in my life who is the the greatest cheerleader you could possibly imagine. Mm -hmm. like she's this incredibly encouraging lady, and she also doesn't know a thing about music. Mm -hmm. Like, she, uh, we joke sometimes because we'll be on a trip, and I'll be listening to some record and go, oh, listen <laughs> to that, and she'll be just reading her cooking magazine. Right, right. She just completely is unfazed by it. Um, and, in <laughs> fact, she she jokes about her. the only CD she's ever bought was the Titanic soundtrack. <laughs> I think because of her crush on Leonardo DiCaprio. And so... Uh, so I, I think it's important to have people like that in your life who are yeah. just going to be blind cheerleaders who just love you and will love whatever you do. Yeah. But then you have to have that balance with people like Ben and Andy who will tell you, you can do better than this. But who still love you. And that, yeah, they yeah. still love you. But yeah, yeah there, there's this um, loving honesty that's there too. Yeah. Like they'll. Well, you guys have a great, the, just the countenance of your uh, friendship is really cool to see every time you come in. It's good to have you guys you. here. How long have you been playing together, all three of you? Oh, so for with Ben for six years and Andy like three years maybe, something like three that. And yeah. Three and a half. But we've known each other for even longer. It was just three and a half years ago that we we how, talked. Andy how long have you been making movies together? <laughs> <laughs> 
That's a, that's a new endeavor. <laughs> okay. Yes. All right. We well, have to tell people, go to YouTube.com. Yeah, if you go to, uh, <laughs> what is the, is it, um, you can go from my website, I think, but it's, if you just go to YouTube and you do a search for Andrew Peterson and the Captain's Courageous, then you would find, uh, <laughs> we blogged the making of the new record. Um, oh. And so that was kind of the in- impetus behind it, was that we were uh-huh. making a new record together and people, you know, I when, when I, before I started making music, I was just, I would love to have seen the process, you know, mm-hmm. to, to have been a fly on the wall and watched a record being made. So yeah. we thought, hey, let's just film a lot of this process. And you guys so, had too much fun. We did have a little too much fun. We actually, <laughs> to the detriment of the record sometimes, there were times when we, we we had like people that we were paying to be there and we were, it was costing us money because the YouTube videos were more important <laughs> than getting the take right. So it was pretty bad. But I mean, I'm sure that adds to the creativity too. I mean, the camaraderie and... Uh, maybe, but I think it was mainly <laughs> it, just That goofiness. remains to be seen. <laughs> yeah. That sounds like me trying to convince my wife. I was, that was, I was trying was to happening. make it into a positive <laughs> for you. Yeah. <laughs> Anyway, we did have a lot of fun. All right. Well, it's nice to have you guys, all three of you, here today. Thank you. Um, how about another song? Yeah. Well, this, we'll do one that um, we Ben and Andy and I all wrote. Uh, ben had the idea for this song. He was uh, reading to Jude, your oldest son, I guess. Um, Who's in the next room? Yeah, he's in he's the right. next room. <laughs> and uh, you're reading like a picture Bible to Jude. And uh, which, by the way, it made us laugh at how funny it would be if there was like a sect of Christianity that they believe that the picture Bible was, was the only inspired authoritative. word. Authoritative. <laughs> <laughs> they just argued and There's a YouTube video right yeah. there. <laughs> <laughs> so he was reading a picture Bible and telling Jude stories from the Old Testament. And there was the story of the widow's oil, Elisha and the widow's oil, this, um, you know, about how um, the, the woman asked Elisha for help because uh, the debtors were going to come and take her sons away from mm-hmm. Her. And I'm not. I, I know you guys know this story, but the, but how Elisha came and said, "Well, what do you have?" And she said, "Well, all I have is the, this one jar of oil." And he said, "Well, tell your sons to go out to all the neighbors and get, collect as many empty jars as you can and come back." And and she took that that her one jar of oil and it filled up every jar that they found. And she sold the oil and kept her sons out of slavery, which is a fascinating story. And then there's the story of Naaman and uh, and the leper Naaman, who you know he he asked Elisha to heal him. And Elisha said, well, God said to dip yourself in the Jordan seven times. And, and of course, he was stubborn and he didn't want to do it. And he finally succumbed and said, okay, fine. And he yeah. did it. And, of course, he was healed. And then, there, of course, there's the story of Elijah and, uh, and the prophets of Baal in the contest where, uh, you know, Elijah called fire down from heaven. And so Ben noticed in the telling of these stories to his son that all of them represent the blood of Jesus in some way, mm. that they were all in some way prophetic and symbolic of, of what the blood of Jesus was later going to do. And so, uh, so that was the idea for the song. So here you go. It's called All You Ever Need? All You'll Ever Need, yeah. blood of Jesus, it is like the widow's oil It's enough to pay the price to set you free It can fill up every jar and every heart that ever beat When it's all you have, it's all you'll ever need When it's all you have, it's all you'll ever need Blood of Jesus, it is like the leper's river Running humble with a power you cannot see Seven times go under, let the water wash you clean Only go down to the Jordan and believe Only go down in the Jordan and believe And I need it, I need it closer that I grow, the more I come to know how much I need it. The blood of Jesus, it is like Elijah's fire falling on the altar of your faith. All the wisdom of the world could never conjure up a spark. No power of hell could ever quench this flame No power of hell could ever touch this flame And I need it, I need it The 
closer that I grow, the more I come to know how much I need it. And I need it, I need it. The closer that I grow, the more I come to know how much I need the blood of blood of Jesus, it is like the widow's oil. When it's all you have, it's all you'll ever need. It is all you'll ever need. Andrew Peterson and Andy Gullihorn and Ben Shive. Ben, thank you for the, writing the song. All you'll ever need. Thank you. And is that also on the new CD? Yep, that'll be on the new record. All right. It's called Resurrection Letters, Volume Two. Mm. <laughs> um, When's yeah. it coming out? I'm not. I'm not totally sure this year. And within a couple months, I think mm-hmm. I gotta gotta find a, a record label who thinks it's good, or but, or just put it out on my own. <laughs> we'll just see. Did I understand so, you've done some of the recording here? Yeah, we actually did. Yeah. Mike was very generous and let us come in here and record. This is actually the studio where we filmed some of the YouTube videos. Oh, that's right. Um, <laughs> yeah, besides that the we record. <laughs> <laughs> well, that'll it, make it famous. It's hard for me to not think about that one. All right. Um, well, we've got uh, the three of you here with instruments in hand. I mean, uh, how about uh, a third song? We, are sure. Are you willing to do I would, that? I would love All right. to. And then we'll have time to wrap things up here. You need to change things around a little bit? Yes. I need okay. to unplug this guitar. All right. Well, you do that. Uh, ben, you've got uh, your little boy in there. How many children do you have? I have three. Uh-huh. And he's the oldest one. That's Jude in there. He's uh-huh. four. All right. Andy, how about hey, you Jude. and your family? I have three as well, as is Andrew. As Andrew. Boy, you guys are yep. productive, not just in music. Well, you got to have four <laughs> to be in a club. You're not in a club <laughs> until you got We're four. We're reproductive. <laughs> yeah. You have four kids? Yeah, yeah, yeah. You, you are outnumbered. You know, as long as you're outnumbered, you're sort of getting there, right? Yeah, I've There's heard that two before. of you and three of them. But. Mm-hmm. <laughs> that after three, it's all kind of, you know, downhill. Or yeah. <laughs> yeah, that's when you start forgetting their names. Yeah. What is your name again? I know you, don't I? Yeah. <laughs> uh, well, this is another one from Resurrection Letters, and uh, it's called Windows in the World. All right. So you're sitting at the movies, you're watching how the story finds a way. And you've seen it all before Still you love to see the hero save the day It's a window in the world A little glimpse of all the goodness getting through And all along the way the days are made Little moments of truth Every Sunday morning You can see the people Standing in a line And they're so hungry For some mercy For a taste of the communion Bread and wine It's a window in the world A little glimpse of all the goodness Getting through And all along the way The days are made Little moments of truth It's the way the clouds are burning From the angle of the light As the earth is slowly turning you to me And you're watching at your window At the ending of the night It's as plain as day so any fool could see It's a window in the world I can see the groom is waiting He's watching for the moment she appears And 
They are laying down their lives for love And love is laying waste to all my fears It's a window in the world A little portal where you get a better view And the wonder of it all is all you need To see the goodness getting through all along the way the days are made Little moments All along the way the road is paved With little moments of truth I have a new favorite Andrew Peterson song. Oh, mm. thank that you, is, man. That's phenomenal. Thank what you. The, thank you. The, the bride and groom passage. What great great images. And I was, as you were singing that, I was looking through the window and Jude was playing, and, uh-huh. and it was almost like an application of the song. Oh, Gee. that's great. Hmm. Thank I re- you. I, uh, the, I was at a wedding here in Nashville. I used to be really cranky and kind of cynical about weddings. I hate weddings. <laughs> didn't <laughs> like going. And something... Work, work with Michael. Right? <laughs> yeah. Yeah, you know, yeah, you need to help me. Something just switched inside me a couple years ago, and I just, I love, when I get a wedding invitation in the mail, I just, I put it on the, I'm the one who goes and puts it on the calendar. Really? I just, it's the parable being acted out in front of me, and I just love, it. I'm this baby. I cry when I see the, when the bride shows up at the back of the room, uh, and I'm staring at the groom's face, and I watch it all happen, and all I can think about is Jesus. Mm. And so, um, yeah, that was kind of, there was a sermon at the last wedding I was at, and the, and the pastor who did the sermon, he talked about, you know, the symbolism of the wedding, and I got to thinking about all the ways that God has reminded mm. us of his love through the sacraments, you know, and, yeah. and uh, but not just that, I was, I'm a big movie fan, so the first verse kind of started with that, that, you know, if you have your eyes open, there's truth all around you. Well, I think one of the best things a song can do, that song does, and that is it, it changes the way you look at the world. I mean that's that's what that mm-hmm. did. So thanks for that. Yeah, maybe you know, you'll like weddings now, you cranky old guy. <laughs> well, no, they, uh, I don't care. About a friend that. of ours is getting married right down the road, right down here on Highway 96. Right now, this afternoon, well, if you want right. to stop in, Andrew, let's you know. load up. Load <laughs> load Wedding up. crashers. <laughs> yeah, <that's right>. <laughs> <laughs> you know, we didn't uh, we didn't ask you guys to come prepared for four songs, but I think we got time. Yeah, we are you willing do, to uh, chance something? Here? We could do another song. Let's do. Um, I was thinking we could do Canaan Bound. That might be good. Yeah. That's a it's a song that me and Ben wrote uh, together, um, and uh, it's Ben actually had the idea for the song. He wrote the first verse of the song, and I remember uh, this was back when we first started playing music together. And he had been playing the melody to this song um, on the road, like in sound check and stuff. And I said, one day we were trying to write together, and I was like, "Play that melody you've been playing." And he played it, and I said, oh, man, if only there were words to that. And he was like, well, I got some words, but they're probably not very good. (laughs) And so then he proceeds to sing, Sarah, take me by my arm. Tomorrow we are Canaan bound, where westward sails the golden sun, and Hebron's hills are amber crowned. Yeah, yeah, Mike has given you the look that I gave you, which was just, where did that come from? And wow. so uh, so we finished the song together, and then and then Ben, the lucky dog, that Alison Krauss sang the background vocal on that song uh-huh. on the right. The first song Ben ever had on an album, and Alison Krauss is singing the background wow. vocal. Wow, not bad. Yeah. yeah. Not bad it's all up from there. I should've, yeah, I should have just died right there. <laughs> <laughs> well, thanks for being here today, Andrew and Andy uh, and Ben. God bless yeah, you guys. Yeah, we'll we'll you. close with this then. Thank you.
like the stars across the heavens flung like water in the desert sprung like the grains of sand our many sons oh Sarah fair and barren one come to Beautiful song to conclude this week's session here in the studio with Michael Card. And we hope you'll take a moment and email your reactions to this hour. You can send your comments, song requests, or questions to us when you write in the studio at michaelcard.com. We look forward to reading your email. Again, in the studio at michaelcard.com. Learn about Michael's books, music, and conference ministry so you can expand on what you've heard in this session. We're found online at michaelcard.com. That's michaelcard.com. And we hope you'll join us for next week's podcast release. For all of us on the team, Ron Davis, Lance Mansfield, and our producer, Joe Carlson, I'm Wayne Shepard. Thanks for listening to this edition of In the Studio with Michael Card.